God has made grandparenting a ministry, a mission, and it has eternal significance in the lives of the next generation. And when that gets a grip on us as grandparents, it it excites us, it transforms the way we think, how we live. And so I think the best part of grandparenting is getting to tell the coming generation about the greatness and goodness of God. And welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Cologne, Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. Our special guest today is pastor, author, and good friend of the Legacy Coalition, Larry McCall. We're going to be talking with Larry in just a moment, but first, John. Any uh, words of wisdom for us today? Well, let's give this a try. We're talking about grace today, and usually grace is, is uh, revealed through our words. And years ago, there were 12 words. Actually, actually, there's 14 words that were shared with me that are really great for um, showing grace and communicating and building relational uh, harmony in the family with our kids and grandkids. And and uh, here are the 14 words. Um, I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And the other ones that are really hard to say are Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. So I just thought that it really there's only 12, words, only 12 words, but... Yeah, try and say Worcestershire sauce 10 times fast. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Worcestershire, yeah. Those yeah. are hard words to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, those are words of wisdom, John. Um, as I mentioned, our special guest today is Larry McCall, who is the author of the book Grandparenting with Grace. He is a uh, graduate of Grace College and Grace Theological Seminary, so it's probably no surprise that he would write a book with the word grace in it. Uh, he's also got a Doctor of Ministry degree from Trinity, Evangelical Divinity School, there in the Chicago area. Larry and his wife, Gladine, have been married since 1975, so doing a little math, I think that makes about 47 years. They've got three grown-up children, seven grandchildren, and they live in uh, Winona Lake, Indiana. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, Larry. <laughs> well, thank you, Wayne and John. I remember uh, Winona Lake from my uh, Youth for Christ days yes. you know, back oh, yeah. in the day. Every year there was a big Youth for Christ national conference there with one of the biggest talent competitions in the world, you know, uh, sort of like America's Got Talent only for Christian high school kids from YFC programs all over the country. Big conference center that was there. Remember the, the Bible quizzing? Yeah, we used to take our Bible quiz teams back there. and <laughs> My thousand <laughs> kids cheering like it's a football game. <laughs> Yeah, those those are great days. Days. Larry, uh, uh, we want to talk with you in a moment about your book. Uh, but first, we're going to ask you 10 questions that we call our Legacy Grandparenting Podcast Poll. It's a quick way for our listeners to get to know you a little better. So, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, Larry. The best book you've ever read, other 
you know, than the Bible. Other than the Bible. Well, that's kind of hard for me. I love books, but um, I would say in the Lord's kindness, it was a series of books I read as a young man. When I was 18 and heading off to college, some of my high school, Christian high school friends gave me a book, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And I remember reading that and being so impressed with the attributes of God. And then just a year later, I read a book by another A.W., not A.W. Tozer, but A.W. Pink. I read The Sovereignty of God. And the Lord, yes, John knows that book. And the Lord used that to just transform my life. I tell people, even though over 50 years or 50 years have come and gone, I still haven't recovered. And so those books and J.I. Packer's Knowing God, that I was 18 to 21 years old and read those three books in a series. And um, yeah, it was transformational. Yeah, I've got those three at arm's length right from where I am now. Good. Uh, knowing God, the knowledge of the holy. Well, good. Question number two, a day in your life that you'd like to live over again, you know, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't well, it's good. It I would say probably like our, to uh, just because it was such a great day. Yeah. Well, I would have to say our wedding day. Um, marrying my wife, Gladine, has been a highlight of my life and um, so thankful the gift of her. And so, yeah, that hot June day in 1975, that was a day that I can still relive in my memory quite clearly. <laughs> and there was no air conditioning in the church building and it was quite warm that day. <laughs> Now, where did you get married? In our hometown of Catanning, Pennsylvania, uh, western Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh. And after all these years of living in Indiana, my wife still used the colloquial yuns. All right. Uh, your favorite song when you were in high school. Well, the Lord in his kindness had saved me when I was pretty young. I was still in elementary school and so grew up not listening to a lot of songs um, but I, it was part of the Jesus People movement when we were in high school. You guys remember that era? And uh, I can still remember us Christian oh, sure. kids in our public high school uh, getting together and singing Pass It On. It only takes a spark <laughs> to get the fire going. That was Kirk Kaiser, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. <clears throat> was that, what, that was Kaiser or was that Ralph Carmichael? No, it was Kurt. Because I asked him one day where what the inspiration was. He said I was just in the living room with a fire in the fireplace. There was no <laughs> inspiration other than hmm. But that's pretty <laughs> profound, yeah. Okay, uh, Larry, where uh, where would we find the best pizza? Well, I think you're going to have to go a distance, Wayne. Um, my wife and I get over to Italy every couple of years for conferences. Speaking of conferences. And um, our host one time took us to a little restaurant in Messina in Sicily. You cannot match Sicilian pizza. That, that has to be the best. Well, I, I think several people have, uh, have said the same thing, so that's good. Um, a hobby or outside interest that you enjoy? Well, for me, it's literally outside. I love to kayak. In fact, my kayak's on top of my car right now. Uh, I don't know if I'll get out again soon, but... Um, I love getting out on the streams and I'm just enjoying the quiet, the peace of God's creation. So that's uh, my wife says that's one of my happy places to get out on the water in my kayak. How far do you have to go to get to water? 
Uh, we live in a lake area, so I wouldn't have to go more than a mile to get to the lake. But um, I like going on streams. I feel like I'm exploring what's around the bend. So just a few miles from us is the Tippecanoe River. And so I get out on the tippy, as we call it locally. Uh, we love getting back to our home state of Pennsylvania, though. Beautiful streams there in western PA. Now, do you, yeah, do you, canoe. you don't yeah. tip your kayak, do you? you no, I don't tip canoe. I have. End up, end upside, <laughs> upside down. I, I've done it once, at least. <laughs> okay, uh, Larry, how did you meet Gladine? How did you meet your spouse? We went to elementary school together, Wayne. <laughs> but we didn't start dating till sixth grade. We didn't want to rush things. <laughs> um, no, I've actually known my wife since she was in... She was in fourth grade and I was in fifth grade, um, but I didn't. I wasn't really attracted to her till I was in high school. Uh, nothing against her; it's just I was young, and uh, it was actually her testimony for the Lord that the Lord used to get my attention. I just thought I want to get to know this gal, and uh, we started dating as teenagers, and we never broke up, and uh, we're still together all these years later. That's cool. All right. Uh... Your grandkids, what do they, uh, what do they call you? Well, all of our seven grandkids call me Papa, so I am Papa to everyone, all that generation, and I love that name. As we do this podcast poll, that that one seems to be rising yeah. to the top. Yeah, Papa. Yeah. Anything left on your bucket list, Larry? Oh, sure. I'm I'm always one? thinking of the future. <laughs> I, I have a whole list of things I want to work on. I don't know how long the Lord will give me in this world, but um, one thing I want to work on soon as I can is uh, Gladine and I were asked recently, I, we were teaching a grandparenting conference near Philadelphia, and I was asked to teach one session preceding the grandparenting conference on marriage for older couples. And in the car on the way back to Indiana, I said to Gladine, you know what? That would make a great book. Uh, something like second half marriages. How does the gospel shape our marriages in our seasoned years? So I got a rough outline. I haven't submitted it yet, but um, I'd love to write something like that. How does God's grace shape our marriages as the years go by? I think I think there's a market for that. <laughs> I I did one of those seminars years ago. Uh, how to keep an aging marriage from growing old. Hmm. And uh, and I was only like 25 years into my marriage, so I was really an expert. <laughs> we think we're really experienced at that point. Of course, you don't really need to have uh, experience no. to be able to uh, write a book or, or present a seminar, right, John? <laughs> Larry, uh, somebody who had a big influence on you. You know, thanks for asking, Wayne. Um, yeah, no one's had as big an influence on me as my own wife. I mean, she lives with me every day and sees all my faults and sins, and yet she still loves me. But I think next to her, someone who's had an impact on my life was the late Jerry Bridges. Um, we were privileged to have him as a friend for 20 years or so, and he was the one who encouraged me to write for publication. Now, he said, Larry, I think you can do this. And you'll be able to minister to people that you never meet. You'll be able to go places you never will travel to through your writing. And so Jerry, um, back in the early 2000s, kind of gave me a new direction in thinking about ministry. So I appreciated his example and his encouragement. 
Good. All right, um, last question, and that is, uh, can you give us your favorite Bible verse? Well, a verse that I keep going back to is uh, at the beginning of Hebrews 12. It says in verses 1 and 2, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then this phrase, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And uh, I want to fix my eyes on him. Hmm. That's a good one. Thanks, Larry. And thanks for uh, answering all the questions in our uh, Legacy Grandparenting Podcast poll. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the book that you wrote a few years ago titled uh, Grandparenting with Grace. The introduction to the book asks the question, what's so great about being a grandparent? Well, I'm going to let you answer that question by bragging on your own grandkids if you want to do that. Uh, what's great about being a grandparent, Larry McCall? And I don't want to hear that uh, that line, you know, you can spoil them and, and send them back to their parents, which is a pretty common <laughs> way of answering that question. Well, Wayne, thanks for asking. And I'm like you. I've heard that answer a lot. And I don't want to be rude, but I find myself laughing less frequently when I hear that. Um we were challenged, Gladine and I were challenged to think through this, not only as grandparents, but as a pastor, I was asked to teach on grandparenting at our church. And um, I had to dive into the scriptures, you know, what does it say? And the more I looked, the more I realized that God has made grandparenting a ministry, a mission, and it has eternal significance in the lives of the next generation. And when that gets a grip on us as grandparents, it it excites us. It transforms the way we think, how we live. And so I think the best part of grandparenting is getting to tell the coming generation about the greatness and goodness of God in a way that the Lord will use to transform their lives. So that's just precious. Hmm. Yeah, precious indeed. Uh, that is what's what's great about grandparenting. Larry, you mentioned uh, that uh, when you were a pastor, you were asked to teach on grandparenting. Were you already a, a grandparent at that point? We had six grandkids. Um, and about five or six years ago, we had six grandkids at that point. We've had a seventh since. But uh, the man in our church who was in charge of our adult classes asked Gladine and me, if we would teach a class on biblical grandparenting. And uh, <laughs> we were taken aback because at that point, neither my wife nor I had read any books on grandparenting, never been to a conference, never been to a seminar. Um, you know, we didn't even know anybody was out there teaching on these things. And uh, so we just dived into the scripture. Uh, what does the Bible say? And we realized even though you don't, if you do a search on the word grandparent on your Bible app, you're not going to get a lot of hits. But if you start looking at phrases about one generation to the next generation, it's amazing how the scripture opens up. And so we had six grandkids at that point. But what prompted us to, to learn more and then what prompted me to write uh, was the privilege of teaching about 70 or 80 grandparents in our church on grandparenting back about five or six years ago. Your book, why did you choose the title Grandparenting with Grace? Mm -hmm. um, other than, you know, it, it, it's a nice uh, little alliteration there, but how is grandparenting with grace 
different from, say, grandparenting with purpose or Glad- grandparenting or with Gladine. Or Gladine. <laughs> or, yeah, grandparenting with Gladine or <laughs> grandparenting with chocolate chip cookies. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it actually has nothing to do with where I went to school, but actually that wasn't the title I picked. <laughs> I had given the working title to that when I was working on the manuscript, Gospel-Centered Grandparenting. And at New Growth Press, the publisher already had a series of books that begin with the phrase gospel-centered. And they said, we can't use that for this book because it doesn't fit our series. And so the senior editor at New Growth Press said, let's call it Grandparenting with Grace. And I actually like that title because the whole impact is that it's God's grace that shapes our grandparenting. It's not just what we say to our grandkids. It actually um, shapes us as the older people, as the older generation. How do we live our lives? Do we live just, you know, a list of do's and don'ts? Or are we motivated by God's grace, uh, empowered by his grace? Do we live in a way that communicate that all of life is by grace? The grandkids will pick that up, not only from what we say, but for how we, from how we live. And so that's kind of the impact of the book, I hope, mm-hmm. is that people see that grandparenting is not only a ministry given us by God, but then God gives us the power to do it by his grace. Uh, the subtitle of your book is Living the Gospel with the Next Generation. Um, how how do you live the gospel with the next generation? I mean, is, did they come up with the subtitle also, or is that something that you came up with? I think we worked on it together, Wayne. Um, yeah, and I think the impact of that living the gospel, my wife and I like walking in the morning. She This morning she said, I said, I kind of miss jogging. And she said, well, this is age appropriate, just walking. (laughs) So I don't disagree. But one morning on our walk, uh, Gladine said, you know what our grandkids are going to remember about us? She said, it's not just what we say. And it's not only what we do, it's what we're passionate about. And I remember that so clearly when she said that. And I thought, you know what? I think she's right. Uh, that the grandkids are going to remember what we're passionate about. So if we live in front of them, you know, it's not perfectly, but consistently, uh, faithfully, if we live in front of our grandkids um, with a passion for Jesus Christ, that we want him to be seen in our lives and our relationships, uh, that's probably what the Spirit's going to use to impact them. So it's living out the gospel not just saying, yeah, I need to share the gospel with my grandkids. We do that. We evangelize them. But it's more than that. It's living in a way that shows that we love Jesus Christ. We're so glad he loves us. And we want to live for his glory. So it's living that out passionately. And You know what? This is really off base, but... You know what really caught me was your passion for jogging. I was just thinking, Wayne, have you ever, do you miss jogging? (laughs) Do I miss jogging? Do you miss jogging? (laughs) Does Larry miss jogging? Oh, but no, back to the the issue. Yeah, that's a a great response. Yeah, and Larry, I think what you're saying is is really true. I mean, we we communicate the gospel best not by using words, but 
but but by just the way we live our lives. And so that's living the gospel in front of your grandkids. It's so important. What's the old saying that's attributed to St. Francis, uh, I think? Uh, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And I've always loved that. At the same time, I know that uh, the gospel, to be communicated properly, really does need words from time to time. That's right. Yeah, we do want to use words, but uh, when the grandkids watch how we live day in, day out in our marriage, and our finances, and our times of suffering, or is the way we're living going to back up the words that we've said, or is it going to diminish the impact of the words we've said? So uh, obviously we want our lives to, to uh, back up the words that we've said, that Jesus Christ really does transform people, including us. Yeah. You know, one of the great motivations for folks at our age, or at least as you uh, get into that third stage or uh, fourth quarter, what, whatever you are, is having, instead of just a pastor preaching and pointing a finger at you to keep growing in Christ, to have a, a grandchild look up at you and say, Papa, how, how's that working for you? Or for them to be, I mean, the motivation to be more Christ-like as we look into the eyes of our grandkids and wanting them to pick up the reflection boy you you just it's hard to beat that as a oh, motivation amen. for some new growth amen Thank some you old people that. yeah yeah uh larry you uh, have been doing a lot of um speaking and doing grandparenting conferences all over the country uh recently and i know you're really in demand are you still pastoring at uh, at your church there in winona lake uh, it's christ's community church i think it is are you still the pastor there yes and no wayne i was lead pastor there for 30 some years and uh, this past october on my 40th anniversary at the church uh, according to a plan that we laid out years ago i stepped off of our staff but our younger lead pastor asked me to stay on as one of our non-salaried pastors so we're still in the church, we're still involved in the church, but I don't have nearly as many responsibilities locally that I had for many years. And so we're free now to serve in other places and our pastoral team have encouraged me to um, be a servant to God's kingdom at large. So we travel and, and try to serve by teaching on grandparenting, marriage, other topics at seminars and local churches in various parts of this world. But we're still part of the church, and I'm still listed as one of the pastors. What a great privilege. Larry, you uh, do speak to a lot of uh, grandparents. I'm going to ask you a question that may seem kind of out there. But um, uh, in talking with grandparents today, what do you think is the biggest mistake that uh, grandparents make with their grandkids? Wow, that's a profound question. Um, one that comes to my mind right off the top, Wayne, is the grandparents who just aren't being intentional. Um, they're just kind of reacting to what's happening and maybe having fun with the grandkids. That's great. I love having fun with the grandkids. Uh, but there's no spiritual intentionality. There doesn't seem to be um, thought given into the whole area of how my telling the coming generations, showing the coming generations the greatness and the goodness of God. So I think that lack of intentionality is a, a big issue. And another issue that I've seen that it's, it's painful for a lot of people to talk about is that they haven't worked at the relationship with the middle generation. 
And so the relationship they have with their own kids and or kids-in-law is very strained. And uh, sometimes the older generation, the grandparents, in their pride, can uh, respond to that just by saying, well, it's not my fault. You know, I'm not the one that pulled away. And they're not pursuing the middle generation for their good. And uh, certainly then the, the third generation, the grandkids are impacted by that, uh, reserving uh, the relationship too, pulling back. So those two come to my mind, the lack of intentionality and the, um, mm, the forgetfulness that we need to be loving the middle generation too. They're not just a means to the grandkids. Uh, they're people in our lives that need the love of Christ too. Yeah, what... Uh... What advice would you give to grandparents to keep, uh, you know, the relationship with the middle generation, as you put it, uh, you know, their own children, yeah. our grandchildren's parents? Right. You know, w- what What are some things that grandparents can do to, to strengthen hmm. uh, that relationship? Well, I think praying for them, but Wayne, I think something else that comes to my mind is... Um, loving the middle generation just for who they are and not just as a means to get to the grandkids. And, um, you know, I, I think even remembering events, you know, are you remembering that it's your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law's birthday? Are you celebrating your daughter-in-law, son-in-law on their special days? Are you uh, texting them saying, Hey, just want you to know, I love you. I'm praying for you today. It's building a relationship with the middle generation uh, without necessarily making that uh, just a utilitarian relationship is I want to get to your kids. I want to get to my grandkids. So I guess I better treat you nice, <laughs> you know, but to show the middle generation the love of Christ and to just have open conversations with them. How are you doing? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Um, yeah. And to enjoy that relationship with them. And maybe one of the other ways that, uh, one of the things that is a barrier, but one of the things that could be a bridge is just to not get involved in political discussions or to harangue them about what they're doing or not doing that they used to do or changing beliefs. I mean, grace really does accept no matter what. Um, And they know, they know if they're not, quote, pleasing us. We know if they're not pleasing us, but that's where we... uh, we go to our knees on on their behalf Amen. when we we're concerned about those issues in their life. Yeah. Amen. We often hear from uh, grandparents who tell us that, um, you know, they don't have access to their grandchildren, grandchildren because you know their children have, uh, you know, they've adopted a completely different worldview, uh, whether it's uh, turning away from their faith. Or it could be politically or other reasons, but they really don't want their grandkids or their children to be influenced by their grandparents. And mm-hmm. so this becomes a, a just a, a very difficult barrier for for some grandparents. Do you have any any suggestions? Any have you run across that in your own work? Oh wow, Wayne, yes. I think when Gladian and I open it up for Q&A, when we teach on grandparenting at different seminars, that is probably the most common issue that comes out, is how do I impact my grandkids with God's grace if my kids 
are blocking me. They won't let me talk to my grandkids. And that's very painful. But I think two or three things to keep in mind. I think it was at last year's Legacy Summit. It was Sherry Schumann, I think, that said so memorably, uh, we might not be able to talk to our grandkids about God, but we can always talk to God about our grandkids. And I thought, boy, that needs to be spoken more readily, more often, that as grandparents, even if we are totally blocked from our grandkids, uh, we can regularly bring up their situation before the Lord, uh, ask the Lord to change the hearts of the middle generation. And so I think prayer is so important in that situation. But I think, too, you know, if there are kids who are not following the Lord and are very resistant about any spiritual impact or um, messages from the grandparents, you don't want to uh, abuse that, you know, and just go around it, sneak around. I think there needs to be trust. So to express, you know, I feel differently about this than you do, son, daughter, uh, but I want you to know I love you and I respect you as the parents of our grandkids. Um, but I think even appealing to them, you know, when you're at our house, just so you know, you remember growing up or you remember when you were dating our son or daughter, we always pray before meals. Um, and, you know, even saying something like that and get a little bit of elbow room there that it might not be a lot, but can you please honor us? And we want to honor you and respect uh, your uh, direction on us. But to in the meantime, you're just bathing that whole situation in prayer. Lord, please start opening opening that door, opening that gate to our grandkids again. But uh, even when you're around your grandkids, even if you're not allowed to say a whole lot, you're showing them, you're showing them what it means to live in the grace of God. So we are not without means of impacting the coming generation, even in those most desperate situations. We can pray, we can model Christ. Mm -hmm. And there might be those glimpses here and there, prayer before meals or whatever, where we're pointing them to the Lord. Yeah, and Larry, yeah. you know, I, I uh, have often felt like, you know, grandparents really need to learn mm -hmm. how to look at things more from mm -hmm. God's point of view than our point of view. That is, in God's time rather than our time, because we'd like to see things happen right away. We'd like to be able to spend a lot more time with our grandkids, or we'd like to see um, our kids or our grandkids uh, change their views right away. And sometimes they they just don't. I mean, we we have to pray, yes. and we pray like crazy. But it's possible that that we may not even be around when God finally answers our prayers and uh, brings about the kind of results that we've been praying for 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 years and years and years. That's a good years. point, Wayne. I want to hear a fun story and an encouraging story. <clears throat> we have a friend who uh, was totally blocked from her grandchildren, uh, not allowed to talk to them at all. <clears throat> and every year on the child's birthday, the grandchild's birthday, she would write a letter to that grandchild and put it in a birthday card and then put that in a box because she couldn't mail it. She wasn't allowed to have any contact. Um, and looking forward to the day that grandchild would turn 18. And a couple of years ago, that actually happened. And uh, all these years of cards with personal letters was delivered. That grandchild was in our area, looked up grandma, and they had a reunion. Um, and I thought, boy, there's a faithful grandma that had no idea what the Lord would do. But 
she continued to write to her grandchild uh, faithfully and preserve those letters for the day uh, that that gal would read them. You know, I was just thinking of the prodigal son, the father, and when he was a long ways away, the father runs towards him, embraces him, kisses him. There's a lot of there's a lot of power in the nonverbal in expressing grace. It's not always words, and and maybe it goes deeper because they can tell a sincere hug or kiss, depending on how old the grandchild is, of course, or depending on where you are with your own children. Yeah, but I just think there's a lot of healing that cam- comes and a lot of grace that's expressed just non-verbally um, with an eye, with a look, with a touch, with an embrace. Amen. Larry, uh, in your, your book, you do touch a little bit on uh, long-distance grandparenting. That seems to be a topic that comes up quite a bit. You know, whenever you're talking with grandparents, there's – that's that's a big issue that a lot of people want to talk about. Any uh, quick tips? Yeah, I think grandparents that are in that situation ought to uh, ought not to give into the mindset of there's not a whole lot I can do. My grandkids live across the country or maybe in another country, but what can you do? And um, you know, I've heard of grandparents who well, last night I was at a granddaughter's volleyball game and. And uh, we were sitting with her grandparents, or, or excuse me, a teammate's grandparents. So these two gals are friends, and and now the grandparents are becoming friends. But this couple moved from Hawaii to Indiana. <laughs> and the common question they get is, uh, transplanted Hawaiians is, why? <laughs> why would anybody in his right mind move from Hawaii <laughs> to Indiana? Uh, the land of palm trees to the land of corn and soybeans. <laughs> and uh, she said just last evening, because we wanted to be near our grandchildren, I'm sorry we didn't do it earlier. And I thought, wow. You know, so sometimes long distance grandparents who have the liberty, maybe they're retired, maybe they ought to consider something drastic like moving closer. Uh, but there's other things we can do is budgeting time and money to make visits, um, plan traditions that your grandkids come to you. My wife and I host an annual grand camp here at our home, and uh, some of our grandkids are local. Some of them live out of state, but they're here for five days. So we budget that time and money. And then just using technology, um, you know, just video calls, um, schedule those, be faithful with those. We had a a nice visit yesterday with our grandkids in Michigan through a video call, prayed with them, had a little Bible study with them, just chit-chatted. We enjoy those times. And uh, so just think through what can I do to keep close to my grandkids to build that relationship. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's all good, good stuff, Larry. You know, I wrote a book on uh, long-distance grandparenting, a shameless book plug right there. But um, one thing that I discovered when I was writing that book is that there are many uh, grandparents who uh, are long-distance grandparents, even though they are close to their grandkids. You know, it's really kind of a, uh, a state of mind. When our grandkids lived close by, I sometimes took them for granted. I just knew they were there. But when they moved away, suddenly I realized I was going to have to step up my 
my game a little bit and and be more intentional about about um, my role as a grandparent and uh uh, but it's a growing problem because of the mobility that people have these days to move anywhere they want. And so it's not like the old days when when uh, families just seem to stay together uh, all the time. You know, Wayne, um, Wayne and Larry, I've, I've been thinking just in light of where our culture is these days. I mean, office buildings are empty <laughs> and for lease. People are working from home. Uh, they're starting to move. I mean, really move around the country to where they want to go instead of where the job is because they can work in place. And I'm wondering if, if there's a move back to the family living closer together, like, well, like in Europe. Um, and then, you know, a century ago in our country. Yes. Uh, if there's a um, some great opportunities to move closer and bridge the gap, get rid of the distance, and show grace face to face. Amen. Yeah, well, you know, with the uh, especially nowadays with the cost of living and so on, it's it seems to make sense that there might be a, a, a trend towards families uh, living together, doubling up, tripling up, um, which is kind of a reversal of what happened after you know and during World War II. The 1940 census found that. Uh, and I've got this statistic somewhere. It was like 76%. Three out of four of all American households had three generations all living under the same roof. And uh, a generation later, when the uh, census was done in 1980, that they do the, the big census like every 40 years, that, sti- that statistic, that number had dropped to something like 2%. I mean, it was a complete reversal wow. in the way that people raised their kids. No longer did uh, children have those natural built-in support systems of, of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and, uh, all living right. under the same roof. And uh, there could be just a, uh, you know, a movement back in that direction, given just the way uh, our economy is these days and just the cost, the sheer cost of living. We may see families uh, coming back together once again. Yes. Like the Waltons. <laughs> All right. Well, Larry, hey, thanks for uh, joining us today. The book is is Grandparenting with Grace, Living the Gospel with the Next Generation. Uh, I assume that book is available on Amazon.com. Yes. Anywhere else, Larry? That, oh, uh, it's, yeah, you can find it a number of places. You can find a number of places. And if you want to get a quantity yeah. for a group, you can go to the publishing house and they give a quantity discount. Well, it's, uh, it's a good book. I've got a autographed copy right here on my desk and uh, do you autograph books if people get in touch with you <laughs> i've done that before yes i don't know and why but other people would ask but yeah i'm okay. glad to do that uh before we wrap things up uh, i just want to remind everybody that uh registration is uh is is still open and will be right up until yeah. the date of our next legacy grandparenting summit which is in October, our speakers this year include uh, Jim Burns, Ann Graham Lotz, Tim and Darcy Kimmel, Miles McPherson, John Stone Street, Rob Reno, uh, Michelle Anthony, Gordon McDonald, Crawford Loritz, and uh, quite a few others. Um, and so we're uh, hoping you'll be with us. That's October 20th and 21st. It's going to be held in 
in uh, Jacksonville, actually in Ponte Vedra Beach at Crosswater Church. That's where the the conference is going to be held live. But it is being simulcast to over 100 locations all around the country. So you can um, sign up and attend uh, somewhere close to where you are. So details are on the website at LegacyCoalition.com. And uh, John Colomb is one of our uh, breakout speakers this year. I'm not going to miss that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got good stuff. Good stuff, John. Anything else you want to say before we uh, wrap things up? No, just go in grace. Go in grace. (laughs) Grandparent with grace. That's that's good, good, good idea. Thanks again to uh, Larry McCall for being our guest today. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Cologne saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.